welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, August 11th. A bit of a different podcast than usual. If you listened to our Cracked Interviews podcast last week with Trevor Fauché, you know I drove up to Kalamazoo with his uncle and our usual Great Shot podcast co-host, Chris Halioris, to do an in-person podcast Well, this weekend we are live in Cincinnati. It is 11.04 p.m. on Saturday night. That is why we have the muted tones. We also have some very special guests in the rooms next to us. I'm not going to reveal their identity, but (laughs) believe me, tennis fans, if you knew who they were, you would laugh. But I don't want to compromise their sleep the night before a match. That's my hint to you. Look at tomorrow's order of play. But... I am even more excited, perhaps even more special than the fact that we are on site. The fact that I am sitting across from Cracked Rackets founder, my former Cracked Interviews co-host before I properly, may I say, exiled him from the podcast, (laughs) and a recent, shall I say, Mary E. of the great Hannah Botkin, so really stepping up his game, and because of that, we're willing to bring him back on. Crack Rackets founder Dalton Thieneman, welcome to the Mini Break Podcast. First time on the pod. Hey, hey, hey. I am beyond thrilled to join the Mini Break. Um, I've actually never been on the Great Shot Podcast either, but I'm excited to... Counterpoint. Great Shot Podcast trailer. You asked oh, yes. the questions. You interviewed me. That was <laughs> trailer episode. I, I don't think that, that necessarily. Yeah, yeah. It's like the lion. It, it'll, it'll take. It's like a one A situation. Yeah. But I'll, I'll take. Um, and one other hint for our guests tonight. Um, Alex mentioned that we have a uh, more famous guest than anyone in, in this room next to us. And let's just say he's a foot taller than I am. So. <laughs> well, hold on. You're like five foot four, so there's literally like 20, you know, over... Every single pro on in, tour. Yeah. I was going to say, you're Q1. <laughs> Q1 is Dalton. Q1 onwards is everyone else up a foot. So, yeah, but you... It's a wash. Of, it's speaking a wash. of special guests, he's not going to talk because, let's be honest, he doesn't watch tennis, but he is the specialist of the special and superist of the super producers, Daniel Westoff in the background. Westoff, you're editing this later, so I'm going to give Give yourself an applause right now. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, it's always a special moment when we can get in the booth, and obviously because we are in Cincinnati, we do want to talk about that, but we are aware that there was a tournament uh, at the Premier and Mandatory and Masters 1000 level in Toronto and Montreal going on. We know the Aptos Challenger. We didn't want to leave you hanging. A ton of great American results there. Ernesto Escobedo locking up the USTA wildcard into the US Open earlier this week, but I'll follow up on those things, do my monologue at the end. Dalton, I can't expect him to watch more than one tennis site in one day. But Dalton, let's start off with Cincinnati. And to set the scene for our listeners, Saturday, round one qualifying in both the men's and the women's singles because this is such a high-level event. Most of these players in qualifying ranked in the top 100 or they're younger, but they have some reason to have earned a wild card into this event. So on the men's side, we had J.J. Wolf, John McNally, two Ohio and Ohio State products. Uh, Ohio-born, I should say, so makes sense to see them get wild cards. John's sister, Katie, a main draw wild card into the single, so we'll see her later in the week. Uh, Dalton, let's start with the women's side because, again, there were so many matches today, so many different points we could talk through. Uh, I'm not going to ask you, you know, we won't break down every single match, but give me your most impressive performer you saw today on the women's side. Yeah, um, thank you for not... um 
allowing us to go match by match because I'm <laughs> providing one answer here is going to well, be a big I'm deal. I'm going to be honest. I saw Astra Sharma warm up, but I didn't see her match. <laughs> like, I it was, did it was see a hell her. of a warm up. Though. Yeah, no, we um, saw everyone play. We just didn't see everyone play. Um, so, yeah, uh, getting to Cincinnati was thrilled to be back as, as we are every year. This is becoming a kind of an annual tradition for the CR crew. But um, on the women's side today, it was uh, I was excited to see Bethy, Bethany Maddox-Sands Pull, you know, have a nice outing. Um, Lauren Davis um, pulling out a third setter. Um, was, Let me hold was, you there real quick on that Lauren Davis because for me, she's probably and see. Let me just say, since you've been gone for a while, I do this now. <laughs> <laughs> I interrupt people. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> the uh, taller short man next to us is probably like, please go to bed. So you said short Lauren Davis. Let's be honest. She's known for her size. She is not the most physically imposing player. And by the way, segue. I missed you too. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll get. We're done with that. 16 seed Lauren Davis playing Christian, who has come to form of late. I believe she had a good run at Stanford, or not in Stanford, in San Jose a couple of weeks ago. Christian, well, also at Stanford, yes. Yeah, Christian, yes, she was player there. Uh, Christian wins the first set, six two. We get to the tie break, six all. Christian, um, it's five all. Uh, mini break of Lauren Davis. She mits, misfoots her. We see Davis go down, do the splits, fall over. Christian now has a set point on her racket, and we should say Lauren Davis heavily bandaged in this match, as she often is. The cast on the knees, you know, she's such a scrapper. Her game is predicated on making that extra ball. Christian looked to be moving her around, but you know, 6-5, it's cojones time, and for Lauren Davis, she just survived. It was so impressive for her because it just didn't seem like she got flustered at all by anything Anda, you know, regardless of the situation, and we see in that third set she really pulled away. Yeah, and um, you know, as you mentioned, Lauren Davis falling, and she can't get up, but <laughs> manages to come back down 4-6 in the breaker. This isn't life alert. <laughs> we don't have ads yet. But send out the notification if you can. <laughs> Westoff, can you make that happen? Life alert saves a life every 11 minutes. <laughs> um, down 4-6, falls down, has the knee brace on, is already, you know, in a situation that we think she's not going to be able to pull us out, comes back not only wins the breaker to secure, you know, a one-all, you know, equal the balance, comes out and demolishes Christian 6-2 in the third set. What do you think about that, Alex? Well, I thought the only player who may have been more impressive than Lauren Davis in turning around her match was Jennifer Brady, who plays the 11 seed Teichman and ends up winning 1-6-6-1-6-2. Now you, me, Westoff, your lovely wife Hannah were sitting in between, uh, I think it was courts maybe 8 and 7 and 8, and it was Brady on one court, Kasmenovich on the other. And so we were treated really to two really good matches now for Jennifer Brady. I mean, not only was she, the, I mean, she was scrapping everything against uh, Teichman, who really, you know, a lefty could really dictate, could really move Brady side to side. It didn't matter. Brady was coming up for answers. She was moving the ball back as well. It's a testament to how well Brady's been playing lately that she can make that sort of turnaround. And you could tell she was embracing the crowd, the crowd very partisan towards her, and that seemed to propel her towards the end. Now, uh, in terms of some of the other impressive performers, you mentioned Maddox Sands. We'll just kind of run through the list here. Coco Vandewey falls in the last match of the night to Wang, 6-2-6-2. Swatik, a 6-2, or a 3-set winner, she advances. 
Diaz upsets Pavlyuchenkova. As you mentioned, uh, Maddox Sands, a winner. Pagula, a winner. Sharma, a winner. Uh, Peterson, a winner over Gasparian. We saw, though, Gasparian rolls her ankle in that first set. Definitely was hobbled throughout the match. Another upset, Mladenovic goes down. Uh, Elise Cornet goes down to Petkovic. Mladenovic, I should say, to Lynette. Puigo uh, ends up winning Kudermatova, a winner, Jabour winner, and then Striskova, a match on center court. We saw she survives against Kanepi, 7-6-3-6-6-3. This is the last match I want to talk about on the women's side because for Striskova to see it in person, I mean, the shot making, the slices, angles, I mean, Kanepi could, she could bang. I mean, she was hitting the ball through the court. It was, it was so impressive and it's fun because in the press box, you kind of have that aerial view, right? And so it's a little bit different. Everything looks a little slow, but not Kanepi. She was hitting through the court like crazy. It was so impressive. Oh, yeah. Well, it, and I, you know, not to change the subject, but I, I do want to go back to the Jabour uh, Shelby Rogers match. I know Shelby lost a tight three setter there, 7 6 in the third. Um, but I'm pretty excited to see her back out you know she struggled Absolutely. to get back um you know with the injury and she's had a heck of a summer though coming back i know this is like her first full season back um after recut was it a knee injury a couple injuries. um but yeah just excited to see i know she she couldn't pull it through today but excited to see shelby back on tour and we have a really fun round two for tomorrow and that's what i'm really excited about but before we preview tomorrow's matches i do want to talk about the men's matches as well uh, I mean, again, same question I asked you from the get-go. Your most impressive male player on the day, Dalton Thieneman, was? Best performance of the day for me, Dr. Evo. seven foot, 40-year-old, uh, no reason to be out there whatsoever. Uh, down 2-5, and then multiple match points against Tennis Sangren. Um, you know, fiercely rips a forehand cross-court return winner. Um a couple pretty strong passing shots with Sanger coming to the net, and all that aside, okay, crowd, crowd against him. Rego- crowd against Evo because again, he hits a return winner, and the one there's one lady in the background who is like, "Let's go, Evo!" Like she was the one voice, and then all the Evo people <laughs> in the crowd were like, "Oh, we can cheer for him. It's cool because everyone else." You remember Westoff? Because was they, in the, wait, wait, Westoff goes after the match. He came up. He's like, "When all these people were cheering, let's go tennis." I wonder if all the Evo fans are like, "Why are they saying let's go tennis?" Like we're just cheering for the sport, as though he's the first person to think of the tennis sandgren joke. Like that's why it was funny. Yeah, I, I would agree that the like the audience today was uninformed. Like, <laughs> if, is that no, our, is that the key? No, the audience was pro sandgren which. I'm not going to touch that. I would say that the Evo audience didn't know when to clap and cheer. That would be my count. Um, yeah, no, Evo Kylo is very special. Tennis Sandgren, though, today, one of my roughest performance to be at that point. Again, up, I think, 6-3, having a chance. You know, Evo serves, so he saves the two points. But you have a match point on your serve. You try and serve and volley. It doesn't work. Uh, I thought you argued that Karlovich's return on that point was going long. I thought it was going to drop, but... Just a rough way to end that match for Sandgren. But my most impressive performer of the day, I would have to say, we'll save the practice sessions after because I want to talk about performances on the practice court. But J.J. Wolf today, I mean, 6-3, 6-3 over Alexander Sasha Bublik, who obviously made the final in Newport, has worked his way into that top 75 range. I mean, J.J. just played comprehensive Buckeye tennis, served big big forehands followed it up came to the net as much as possible it was that sort of aggression he displayed in what was his you know extremely successful junior year 
He's had a rough transition to the pros thus far. I don't think he's made it past a quarterfinal at a challenger since turning pro after his final season. I know he's had some nagging injuries, obviously signed with our guys at top-notch management while going pro, and this is being his home event. I mean, we tweeted out some videos on our Twitter account, Cracked Rackets, on Instagram at Cracked Rackets, so go check that out if you want to see it. But you can tell heavily partisan crowd in his favor. A lot of big JJ chants, a lot of big go bucks. At one point, the crowd was chirping the line judge when they thought a bad call was made. That's always funny. Um, my most, but JJ, I mean, he, we saw him win here round one last year, but this is a different guy. This is a much more mature guy. He He's playing that same incredible level of tennis he was at that point, but now he believes in himself. And I really, you know, one big result, let's say he makes a second, third round here. Now he's top 200. He gets into U.S. Open qualies. Who's to say he can't make a U.S. Open, you know, qualifying run? Yeah, no, but but like you said, we got to talk about the local guy. If there's anywhere that he's going to make that breakthrough and kind of get that momentum rolling, it's going to be in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, so the right. fact that he was able to comfortably take him out three and three, a break in each set, it's that's a big deal. Especially because Bublik, you mentioned this, three underhand serves during the match, right? <laughs> like, I mean, he's a guy who will keep you it's on the curious effect. Well, no, but Bublik as well just drop shots and slices, he's going to use his hands. It's like if Tomic tried a little harder, he'd be Sasha Bublik, right? And that, that was going to be my worst performer, but we'll get to that <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> but so, yeah, no, great win for JJ. Again, we're not going to break down any match too deep with stats because there were so many. Real quickly, Andre Rublev, Bernard Tomic, Rublev, 2-1 retirement. Uh, I mean, Tomic, you could tell from ball one, it just wasn't happening for him today. But for Rublev, I want to give him credit. We saw him back on the practice court. Immediately, he uses the time that was allotted for that match. He goes back on that court, has a practice session with his quote, uh, coach, gets a great you know workout in to keep himself mentally, physically prepared for the next day. Just that's the sort of thing when you're a young guy struggling with injury for Rublev. Since uh, his post-Wimbledon run, he hasn't lost in a first round. He made that final in Turkey on the red clay, beating Rude T and Garen. I mean, he, how impressive, his forehand, you're just like, this guy hits the ball so heavy. He was smoking that thing today. Um, and I mean, he, the uh, match against Tomich was pretty short-lived, but we see him, you know, right back on the practice court 10 minutes later, and he was just ripping that. And forehand. for him, like Medvedev and Kachinov played today in the, in the Montreal semifinals, and like, you don't think that fires him up? He's like, I should be there. I've made a major quarterfinal. I trained with those guys my whole life. I need to be back at that level, oh, yeah. so you can just tell he's ready. Um, you know, but beyond that, looking through the list, sorry, any other comments? Any other guys you want to talk about? Yeah, Rublev's been plagued with injuries, but glad to see him back out uh, getting after it and excited to see his match tomorrow, but um, I did want to mention Cole Schreiber, man. He's, what, 35, 36 years old, and it's, it's mind-blowing to me. Macklemore? Yeah, I mean, that's, of course, Hannah mentioned that today. He kind of looks like a little knockoff Macklemore. Maybe he can be a stunt double in some of the videos. <laughs> thrift Shop 2, I don't know what's coming up. One-handed back is something you find <laughs> in Thrift Shop. Uh, but Cole Schreiber looked legit. I, I remember watching Cole Schreiber um, in Cincy 2003, 2004, when Roddick <laughs> was the peak of his powers. 2003. Oh, it was. I think it was. No, you're right. That's the funny part. Like, legitimately. Like, he was, you know. That's crazy. He was, but it was it was cool to see him take out Dan Evans. Dan Evans kind of had a little. And can I say for this match, we were sitting courtside. Who was sitting right next we to need, us? We have to talk about it. Yeah. I, I, I don't think. know. If we're setting the scene. 
Uh, yeah. And we're courtside. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of players. Everyone who's not playing in Montreal, and there's only six players left going into today, they're all here in Cincy training and doing whatever. Courtside, fan of Dan Evans, sitting in his player box, Nick Kyrgios. Rocking the sleeveless look. He looks good. He looks fit. I have to say, he's signing autographs, taking photos with fans, going to treatment. But not only did I see him at the Dan Evans match, I saw him at the Jack Sock match. And it's that. just like, he's everywhere. So, like, it's just cool to see this commitment, this click, because when you're on site like we were, you can really feel the community. We're walking in the players' lounge and you can see them all hanging. It's a really cool thing. And, and not only the click and the community and, the, you know, all the stuff behind the scenes. They're but, playing cards. Yeah, they're, they're playing cards. Spades. They're kicking the soccer ball around. You know, they're watching. You know, the Euro match. But another thing that I have to point out for all of the other media outlets, giving Kyrgios and he takes it for for a good reason. Kyrgios not playing today. Could have been anywhere else. Could have been you know hitting the scene. Whatever. I'll leave it at that. But not playing today. He is sitting courtside in the eighty-five degree heat. He was, you know, watching his buddy Jack. He's watching Dan Evans. He's courtside. Who says that this guy doesn't like tennis? And just being around the game. Well, you know, and again, he was going to get treatment after watching these guys. So he does have his mind on the tennis for those things. Oh, he's just outside in the sun. That's stupid. No, he was going to get treatment afterwards. So this guy has a plan. But again, he's invested in the scene, in the game. And that seems to be the thing for so many of these young guys. In fact, just mentioning the young guys on this list who played and had success today, Alexi Paparin, a 1-4 winner over Fuksovics. Kasper Ruud, 6-5 over Bradley Klein. Kasmenovic, a guy match we saw over Antoine Huang's 3-4. Huang, ridiculous power. But Kasmenovic is a little... First of all, Huang may also win the award for sweatiest person of the day. Um, over me, my back. And <laughs> you, you were a close second. Daniel Westhoff will not say anything because he's off mic. He tried to give Kasminovich <laughs> his his shirt because he was sweating so much. It was pretty, you know. No, he's soaked. I felt bad for him. Well, we were complaining in the crowd. I can't believe it. You it know, was just like the torque on his forehand. You can see how hard he's turning, but you also see the blades of water just like flicking across his body as he turns. And he's he's really putting his entire body. This in is the coverage they want to crack. Right? Yeah, it's, by the way, yeah. the sweat breakdown. Um, <laughs> No, His but, pores were wide open spaces, Yeah, and everybody. he hit big, but Kasmenovich, I mean, he's made quarterfinals Indian Wells. Yes, he got a walkover over Nishioka, but still, he's propelled himself in the top 75 as well, makes a final before Wimbledon, and then follows it up that next week by winning his first-round match in a physical four-set match. Had to retire in the second round, but still, this is a guy whose game suits the hard courts. He hasn't lost, I, you know, I think it was round of 16 in Cincinnati at the City Open in Atlanta. I mean, he's the real deal. Former world junior number one, and he's just so solid all around. And he, and he pulled it out today, but he did struggle putting. He didn't even away. play well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he really wasn't striking the ball well today, but was able to get it done. He was, I, th- I think, he was up five three in the second. Had a couple match points here or there, but couldn't close out the Deuce games. If Presley was way way more athletic, <laughs> he would play just like Kasmanovich. That was my note. A couple levels of athleticism. Yeah, you know, I love those comparisons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I, was, I said. You know, Presley's really good. Kasmanovich is really, really, really <laughs> good. Uh, that's the that's a student analysis only here at Cracked Rackets. Um, yeah, again, other young guys. I mentioned Rude. I mentioned Kasmanovich. Yoshi Nishioko, not that old. A four and five winner over John Millman. That was a physical, grinded out match. Then you look throughout the rest of the draw. Uh, next gen guy goes down in Lloyd Harris to Feliciano Lopez three six six two six two. Another young guy, Cam Nori, goes down to veteran Dennis Kudla, who qualified here 
year last year. Uh, Kudla wins that match three and four. For Cam Nori, it was a little windy earlier. He just really could not penetrate the court against Kudla, and Kudla just kept the ball low, flat, good, you know. I guess watching Nori in person, again, I just got to make these comments, you know, his backhand is so flat. He keeps it so low. He takes it so early. It's just... Uh, the other big thing, all of these players, men, women, doesn't matter. They're all so good. Oh, and yeah. you just, to watch it in person, you, you can't appreciate it over a stream like you can in person. And we saw a Cam play last year, but this year, I mean, I, it just he's so... Fit, he, he Yeah, he's in great shape right now. Um, he lost a tough one today, but his backhand, like you said, just so... It looks effortless. Yeah. I mean, he, he's really going, he's moving in, and he's really, like... It's, but it's it's clean, man. And then, though, you can see the pace and the whip he generates with his lefty forehand, too. It's like the exact counterpoint. That's why it's, I think it's so effective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and in the case for... Because Cam Nori is, what, 22, 23? Three. I think yeah. he's a 96. Um, but I, both of those guys, you, especially with where um, you know the body types are going on tour, it's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and up. You see you know, Dennis Kudla, who's 5'11", 6 foot. Uh, Cam six one six two. Neither are, are you know where the six four six five types. I mean, they're not overwhelmingly. You're not gonna be. Get, I mean, Nori has God given talent based on his size, but not the Opelka Fritz God given size yeah. that you're hitting down on the serve. But that's why it's even more important for a guy like Cam Nori. He is such a freak athlete, man. Yeah. He really is. Um, just and, so and, solid. Yeah. Just everything. He solid does. as a rock, and yeah. it really seems to uh, you know anticipate well as well. For sure. But Kudla today, just too much. I mean, yep. Kudla, the, the, you can see why he has success here. The other young guy I want to mention, John McNally, a wild card, loses 3-6-6-0-6-2 to Federico Del Bonis. Ty Tucker in the crowd for that one. Again, big Ohio State contingency. McNally played, then Wolf played back to back. Um, yeah, I mean, tough loss, but I don't know. Any thoughts? Did you get to see that one? I missed that one, um, so we were like we were coming in this morning, so we missed the the uh, the first two sets there for McNally. But um, obviously, he came out hot. The adrenaline was pumping. I'm sure the crowd was bonkers. Um, he won the first six two or six three. Came out hot, uh, but just couldn't couldn't finish the deal. Yeah. And I agree. And then just to finish, our last next-gen guy, Sabi Corda, a 3-3 three and three loser to Jao Sosa. Two other matches I want to talk about real quick. Pablo Carina Busto loses 2-2 two and two to Marius Coppola. And then our last match will break down number one seed, Mikhail Kukushkin, a 6-7, 6-2, six, 6-3 six, six, winner over Jack Sock. Karina Busto won. Karina Busto won over Coppola, 2-2. Two two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought that's what so I said. Lost. Oh, my bad. He won. Man, again, hey, great shot to me. Um, <laughs> Kukushkin, 6'7", 6'2", 6'3", over Sock. Other oh. than that mess up, Jack Sock, look, I, he's a professional. Oh, His man. talent, immense. Everything that goes with that thing. But he just, physically, it, it, I know he's coming back from injury, but he's just not there right now, singles-wise. The effort, it's not the, even the effort, it's just the movement. It, it's not an effort thing. It's a He's not physically capable of moving the way he needs to to be able to compete at the level he needs to to have success. Yeah. Well, because, you know, coming to an, an event like this, you come in, you're shocked by, you know, the physical fitness or just how overwhelmingly, you know, big, both men and women's side. It's incredible. When you walk, when we came into the Grand Sand Court, the center court today, Jack Sock looked like he's 
you know, ten years out of retirement. I know. I'm look. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. This is just the way I saw it. He looked overweight. He did. Like he just yeah. looked too big. I've seen him slim and fit and in his prime condition, and I know he's coming back from injury. But that's not him right now. No, and he it, it showed um, from a um, court coverage standpoint. He wasn't able to to get the balls. He was what even you know down love thirty, love forty. He was letting games go because he clearly just wasn't there physically. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Well, you know, any final thoughts on Cincy? Any food comments? Any just overall scenery? I, I think we hit all of the tennis. Uh, any matches you're particularly looking forward to tomorrow? Um, I I do want to get to that. I the one thing that you didn't cover because you you know you comprehensive coverage Welcome as always back. by Mr. Gruskin. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. pumped to be back. But uh, Bernard Tomich. Uh, we talked about. I just we, don't we skipped over the Rublev. I'm taking this walk coverage up. of him like he picked the match. <laughs> so we we leave. He's down one two um, on serve. I think even against Rublev, but he wasn't trying at all. He's you know he's just. Uh, ripping forehands and burn the four thousand dollars he earns from yeah. losing qualities because it's like ridiculous. Oh, but yeah, he. I don't think he moved from the center of the court the twenty minutes that we watched him. Oh, and then of course he. But you know, I had to at least throw that in there. No, I, I agree with you. It was a again a very rough performance. But all right then, uh, just two other results I want to run through real quickly in terms of as I mentioned those Rogers Cup results on the women's side. We have uh, Serena advancing. We have. I believe Kenan lost to Andrescu, so a Serena Williams-Bianca Andrescu final. I didn't get the chance to watch much of those matches, but obviously uh, we will hopefully talk about those later on in the week in the greater context of you know previewing later Cincy results and just what happens in tomorrow's final. But for tennis fans, that's what you want. Changing of the guard, Bianca and Andrescu has lost five times. And look, for more in-depth about her, listen to the uh, Great Shot podcast I did with Matt Zemek talking about the top 10 next-gen WTA seasons in 2019. We go in-depth about the things Andrescu's done well, about what we're worried about. Obviously, the injury bug continues to scare, but when she's been on the court, particularly on the hard court with the run she had in Indian Wells in Miami, she may be the best uh, player on a hard court. Her, Naomi Osaka, Ashley Barty, that's a, a unique crew in terms of what they've achieved and bench achieving. And the WTA finally seems to find a group. If, you know, obviously Serena in this final is even better because you get the chance to play against her directly. But we see the changing of the guard. We see who's next in line. There are people who have lined up and put themselves in a position to fight for the throne. And as a tennis fan, that's the best environment to watch the tennis in. Which is a completely different change of pace from the men's side. We've been talking about the next-gen players well, coming Well, I'm going to give a counterpoint. Daniil Medvedev. He beats Karen Kachanov. We have, first of all, two 23-year-old Russians who have accomplished so much. Uh, you know, Medvedev beats Team, who made the French Open final. He's a younger guy. Kachanov beats Zverev, who struggled this year but has been deemed the next guy. But despite all that, we've got Djokovic, Fed, and Nadal in every final since, sure. you know, all right. early 2000. Okay, that's, again... The, the Masters, the Premier events. There's one last event before I want, that I want to talk about that we can wrap up. On the challenger level, I should say my guy, Yannick Hoffman, cracked interviewee, Don, uh, you know, USC guy, All-American, I believe, two or three times, no, two-time national champion. Um, so uh, go give that a listen. But he is he's coming back from injury. We saw him at Stowe last year working his way towards that top 100, makes another challenger final in Germany this week. 
Uh, and then in Aptos, obviously, we mentioned Ernesto Escobedo locking up that U.S. Open wild card. He loses today 4-3 and three to former Tulane All-American Dominic Kopfer. Uh, Dominic Kofer, speaking of All-Americans, the best college player in men's tennis history. Stevie Johnson, the two-seed, playing his second challenger event since the start of the 2015 season. He hasn't lost a set thus far, a 2 and one winner in his semifinal. He'll enter that final as the heavy favorite because, again, as good as Kofer this look, not dropping a set. He's Steve freaking Johnson. Uh, Ernesto Escobedo makes that semifinal. Again, three set wins over Kruger, over Fertangelo, over Zoomher. Ernesto's playing the best tennis I've seen from him since 2017. So just a lot of good tennis going on this weekend. If you missed any of the action, be sure to check out our website, CrackedRackets.com, to catch up on all of those things. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, you know the deal by now. Like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, for all of your content needs in the tennis world. Dalton, it's been really great having you back. Any final thoughts? Well, uh, on the review front, five star, five star. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, I missed something to plug and said for my lovely co-host, Dalton Thieman, for our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Wassef, and for our entire team at Crack Rackets. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Dalton, you've never been on the podcast before, but do you know what we tell our listeners? Go get the mini break. Get that's so much. That's get out. that mini break. <laughs> That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Get that mini break. Uh, Hopefully the deal goes through.